Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I was talking to Trayvon Martin's brother, and this is what he said to me. He said, if it weren't for athletes, you know, nobody would know my brother's name. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said when Trayvon Martin was first killed, the family was trying to get uh, the local newspapers, local media, anybody to cover the story to tell people what happened. And they none of them wanted to cover it. But then, um, you know, you had LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, you know, and the entire Miami Heat team posed with the hoodies. And then you had, you know, Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Durant and everybody else, you know, posing with their sons with the, you know, with hoodies and talking about Trayvon Martin and things like that. Then people started to look into it. Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week, we speak to 10-year NBA veteran Atan Thomas about his new book, We Matter, Athletes and Activism. You're going to want to hear what he has to say, because in this book, he doesn't just interview athletes, from Russell Westbrook to Bill Russell to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to Swin Cash. What he also does is he talks to family members who have led the movement for justice against police violence. And the way that he weaves these interviews together is absolutely remarkable. And we're gonna speak about that. Also, I've got choice words about Michael Bennett and him saying goodbye to Seattle to join the Philadelphia Eagles, one of the great activist athletes that we have. And someone who I'm also, by the way, writing a book with that comes out in a couple weeks called Things That Make White People Uncomfortable. Please get a copy if you support this podcast. I also got Just Stand Up and Just Sit Your Ass Down awards, a very special Colin Kaepernick watch, and much more. But first, Atan Thomas. Atan, first of all, thanks so much for joining us. First question, why this book now? Why did you want this to be your project? Well, this is there's so much going on right now, um, and athletes are really using their voice kind of in an unprecedented way. I would say unprecedented, you know, since we have we haven't seen pretty much since the '60s, but an unprecedented way just across the across all sports. And you're seeing this new wave of activism. Um, you're seeing, of course, strong reactions from it. But there's this new wave of activism with athletes, and you know, of course, for for me and yourself, it's beautiful to see. 
um, you know, the, of course, the the athletes of the past, like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Russell, and you know, they're still constantly active. But then you're seeing younger athletes use their voice, you know, like uh, Russell Westbrook and Dwayne Wade and Carmelo Anthony, who all I got a chance to um, interview for the book, and it's really just just great to see. Can I ask you why you think we're seeing this now in 2018? Like, why didn't this happen in 2008, 1998, 1988? What, what is it about 2018 that's created this landscape? You know, I've, I've gotten asked that question a lot and um, of why we haven't seen it before. And I, I don't really know why, but I know right now that there's such a strong reaction and there's so much that we're seeing um, through social media and on a repeated reel uh, police brutality and the police killings and the police shootings of unarmed black and, and black men and black women. And you're seeing, you know, um, non-indictments and not guilty verdicts over and over again. And just as and police officers going back to work right. after they're seen on video shooting people with their hands. Right. Up. Like nothing happened. And they're getting expunged from their records. And you're seeing it more and more. So while the entire country is reacting to this, you're seeing athletes react to it as well. And then also you're seeing athletes tell of their own experiences with police brutality. You know, and that's why I wanted to interview people like Tabo Cephalosha and James Blake and Michael Bennett, you know, and everybody, they, you know, they, people think that athletes are in this protective bubble, but they really aren't, you know. So this is a, a, a problem that really faces everybody in society. Mm. Now, why was it important to you? First of all, I love the book. I recommend everybody get it, We Matter, Athletes and Activism, talking to Atan Thomas, uh, who put this amazing book of interviews and reflections together. Why was it important you, to you? Let me do that again. Why was it important to you to talk to not just athletes, but family members of people who've been killed by police and activists? Why was it important to you to do both? Well, a lot of different reasons. Um, like I said, this that was the reason for this resurgence of athletes speaking out. Uh, the reason why Kaepernick took a knee, you know, I mean, the, he he laid it out specifically. The reason why the reasons why he took a knee, he said, is the political process that he wasn't happy with. Um, he said systemic racism, and he said police brutality, and you know the police killings. He laid out the reasons, and it kind of got hijacked into being about the flag and about the military. But I really wanted to bring it back to what it was all about. And mm. what these, what you know, all these athletes are talking about. When 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 I'm talk, interviewing Dwayne Wade, and he's talking about why he spoke out when Trayvon Martin was killed. It's not just that he wanted to inject himself into the topic of the day. Like it affected him personally. Like he thought about his son, you know. And he's telling these stories about how it immediately made him think of his sons, you know. And he said, if I put a hoodie on my sons, they look like Trayvon Martin. You know, and I had the same exact reaction, and you had a lot of black men and women who have had that reaction after that happened, you know, thinking about their own children. And, you know, talking to the, 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 the family of the victims of police brutality, um, like Trayvon Martin's brother, Javaris, and Eric Garner's daughter, Emerald, and uh, Terrence Crutcher's sister, um, Tiffany Crutcher, and Eliza Castile, who was uh, Philemon Castile's sister, talking to them specifically, you know, they're telling how they reacted to seeing athletes speak out on their behalf mm. and the power of it. And it was so, it was just so moving. I mean, it, 
Emerald is talking about how when she saw LeBron James and, you know, all the different teams wearing the I Can't Breathe shirts, how, it, you know, she just kind of just broke down like, wow, like we're actually being heard. Like they're actually standing up for, for my father, you know, and, and telling the world that this isn't right. And, it, it you know, it was just they, they were really powerful interviews and really the, the, the most difficult interviews probably that I've ever done in my life. Um, because the, there's so much emotions there. Like, we, we hear about the cases, and then, you know, the media moves on from it. But the families don't move on from the cases just because you haven't heard it in the news, you know, anymore, just because the news has gone on to the next terrible story. And they deal with it, and they live with it. And, you know, just showing that, that, that power of athlete's voice, you know, hearing it from them, you know, is just really powerful. Mm. Now... When I was looking at the folks who you interviewed before I started reading the book, there were names that I was like, of course, that's why they are there. Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, Michael Bennett, uh, Tamika Catchings. Uh, These are people who we've heard from. I was surprised at a couple of the names, and I was hoping maybe you could tell folks what their role is in this and who they are relative to these topics. And one is Russell Westbrook, the Uh reigning NBA MVP, What's Russell Westbrook's place in this constellation? Well, when, when Terrence Crutcher was, was murdered in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Russell Westbrook's playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder, he immediately went on TV and was talking about how much of an injustice it was. And, you know, Tiffany Crutcher was talking about how when she saw that, how she said her father immediately broke down in tears. You know what I mean? That somebody of Russell Westbrook's caliber would be speaking on behalf of their family member. And, you know, I wanted to talk to him about it because, you know, if you don't know, Oklahoma is a little bit of a conservative state, you know. It, it, Although it's not... it looks like the teachers are about to go on strike. You saw that. that I did see that. Maybe I, I they'll remake that. Oklahoma, but your point is very well taken. Please continue. Right, right, right. It, it's a really conservative state. So, I, you know, I asked him, I was like, well, were you, were you a little bit nervous about, you know, speaking out about this and in Oklahoma? You know, <laughs> I mean, what, what, Oklahoma's right above Texas. You know, they try to pride themselves on you know, being like a smaller version of Texas. And, you know, he said, well, of course not. I didn't, I didn't have any kind of hesitation. It was wrong. You know, and I looked at it, and I was kind of in disbelief of what I was seeing. And he was like, this man just was pulled over the side of a road, and, you know, he actually thought that the police was coming to help him. And he turned out, you know, being looked at as a threat, and he did nothing wrong, and his hands was up. Like, so he just was saying all of this, and he said it publicly. And he, what, what happens is when athletes say things like this publicly and kind of invades the space of their fans, you know, who, who have their pictures on their wall and their sons and daughters have their jerseys and things of that nature. And so they, they, they make them look at something um, kind of from a more humanistic side, not just from the media side. You know, because as soon as a, a person is, is killed by the police, the, the, the smear campaign immediately stops. You know, he was no mm-hmm. angel, or no choir boy, you know, so don't feel so bad that the police killed him, you know, doing this for your safety. But then you have Russell Westbrook talking about it so passionately and emotionally and saying that, wait a minute, this is wrong. Then you have people thinking like, well, wait a minute now, let's look at this a little bit more. And that's, what, that's the power of athletes using their voices. Now, of course, it doesn't always work out that way, but a lot of times it definitely does. No, that's the truth. Another name that I was thrilled to see, particularly being a Washingtonian, but maybe folks listening are not aware that he is part of this constellation of athletes, is Bradley Beal. Mm. 
uh, all-star guard for the Wizards. Why did you seek out Bradley Beal, and what is his connection to this issue? Well, after Philando Castile and Alton Sterling were, were killed, they were, they were back-to-back, like within 24 hours. And, you know, Bradley Beal was outraged as well, and he spoke publicly about it. He said black lives matter, and they should matter. And for some reason right now, we're seeing that they don't. And he got a lot of backlash. You know, a lot of people, you know, from the All Lives Matter crowd immediately said, well, wait a minute, why are you just saying Black Lives Matter? Isn't All Lives Matter? And he was like, are you serious? You know, right now you're, you don't understand the connection of why right now that, that it doesn't appear that society values black lives. And he didn't, he didn't back away or back down or retract his statements. And I asked him about that. Um, and he said, no, that wasn't a thought to retract my statement. You know, I, I just defended my position. He's like, but it's not a position that I should have to defend. Everybody should understand that, no, you know, black lives are not being shown that they matter at all in society. It's, this isn't, it should be a debatable topic. And, you know, I just really, it was great to see, it's great to see younger players like that, you know, speak on these, on these topics. Because right now, they don't have to wait for the media to be able to, say they want to go to a, a certain reporter and ask them if they want to write their opinion on this topic. They just go say it on their own platform. They just say it why, why, you know, on their own social media. And that's just, there's just so much power in that. Now let's go to some of the older heads. I want to hear from you about what it was like to interview Bill Russell. And is, is, did you get any received wisdom from Bill Russell that you want to share with our listeners? Oh my gosh, Bill Russell was... It was amazing because he, and it was, it was interesting because I would ask a question and he would tell a story that would answer the question like perfectly, you know what I mean? And it was just, it was just, you know, he, I remember one time he said, uh, do you mind if I tell another story? And I was like, well, of course, you can tell as many stories as you want to. You're Bill Russell, you know? He's like, all right, well, I will. And, and he was so like free and open about speaking about it, speaking about the way that, you know, he he was winning all these championships in Boston, and then he started speaking about racism and segregation, and everything kind of switched. You know, he's talking about how his, his they they actually broke into his house and vandalized his entire home. You know, and and these these are the beloved fans where he's out there winning championship after championship. You know, and he's talking about the the of why he felt that he needed to always speak out and why he needed to be able to stand up for people who who couldn't necessarily stand up for themselves right now or wouldn't the, the entire masses wouldn't hear them. I mean, it was an amazing interview. Uh, I mean, it's, it, you know, I was interviewing somebody who I've grown up reading about and admiring, you know, same with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And when I interviewed John Carlos, I interviewed John Carlos and I, I told him, you know, I, I literally grew up with your picture on my wall, <laughs> You know, uh, uh, from the 1968 Olympics, which you're doing, uh, Black Power Salute. I grew up with that on my ro- on my wall since high school, and you know, read about you and did the kind of athlete that I wanted to um, aspire to become. Somebody who used their position as a platform to speak out on different things, and it was just really an honor to be able to interview all of them. And Oscar Robertson, I got a chance to sit down with Oscar Robertson and interview him. It was just it was just amazing. Yeah, and I'll say right now, uh, for folks listening, uh, this Tuesday night, that would be March 13th, I'm interviewing John Carlos on stage at the New York Public Library. Folks should come on out and talk about those 50 years and what that means. Now, everyone, when you do books like this, has, I don't want to say a favorite interview, 
but an interview that sort of sticks with you when the book is done, something that you roll over in your head, something that you, you know, you roll around in your mouth when you're asleep and grinding your teeth a little bit. What is the interview that for you made doing this book worth it? I mean, honestly, it was the the interviews with the, uh, the, the victims of the family members of the victims. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was talking to Trayvon Martin's brother, and this is what he said to me. He said, if it weren't for athletes, you know, nobody would know my brother's name. And I said, well, what do you mean? You know, I mean, what do you mean by that? That's a little bit, you know, strong, isn't it? He's like, well, not really, because um, when he said when Trayvon Martin was first killed, the family was trying to get uh, the local newspapers, local media, anybody to cover the story to tell people what happened. And they none of them wanted to cover it. He said they they all said to them that you know this was just a story of a, a young black man being killed. It's not really newsworthy. And I was like, wow, I can't believe that that's what they told you. And he was like, yeah. He's like, but then, um, you know, you had LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, you know, and the entire Miami Heat team posed with the hoodies. And then you had you know Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Durant and everybody else, you know, posing with their sons with the, you know, with hoodies and talking about Trayvon Martin and things like that. Then people started to look into it. And he's like, but if it weren't for athletes, you know, nobody would know his brother's name. It just would have been, you know, another young black man killed that nobody knew about. And I was just like, wow, like that one really, it hit me hard because I didn't know that. You know what I mean? I, I, I remembered, you know, reading about it, you know, briefly. And we talked about it on on the collision, you know, briefly. I remember Roland Martin covered it, but really there was no, it wasn't like mainstream media news. And I went back to think about it, about, you know, well, yeah, you know, that it is everything that happened after uh, Miami made that iconic picture uh, in the hoodies as an entire team, and then they got America talking about it. And that's just, it's just, you know, that's, that that's so the, the the point of the book that I really wanted to do was encourage younger athletes to continue using their voice. You know what I mean? To see these stories, to see the power of athletes using their voice and really to be inspired. That's really what I wanted to do because a lot of the, the powers that be, you know, it's like there's a scare tactic, like don't stand up, don't say anything or you're gonna be punished. And, you know, I, I wanted to kind of, you know, move away from that and tell them, Yeah, you're gonna be criticized but look at all these people who are able to stand up for what they believed in and the amount of, you know, you know, how they were able to make an impact and how, how special that was, you know. So really just want to just, just, just really encourage. Now you were at uh, the All-Star Game and with the book, and I would love it if you could just tell the story of what you were doing there, what the event was, how the book was received, and what kind of accelerant it was that Laura Ingram had made her remarks about LeBron saying shut up and dribble right before the All-Star game. And then you're there with this book, We Matter, Athletes and Activism. What was that I mean, like? Well, it was interesting because it was the, the question that every certain reporter, everybody, you know, asked me all the time um, about that topic. And, and, and I kept saying the same thing. Well, you know, this isn't a new concept. This is something right. that is, you know, you'll, you'll hear, I mean, even in the book, you'll hear Kareem talk about when he was at UCLA and he went to a, 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 a protest and, and so many people told them, you know, well, what are you doing protesting? Like, shouldn't you just be focused on basketball? Like, you know, why aren't you more grateful? Aren't you more thankful grateful. to this country? Right. You're the, you're the ungrateful athlete. Just, just shut up and play. 
you know, the, the Isn't Russell it also did the same like thing. The, the ungrateful black man. Yes, no question. Like, uh, and you know, like, like, what do you have to complain about? You know, and that's the same thing that they you, you heard about with Kaepernick. You know, is is why aren't you more grateful? And it, it's just a concept that you know, it's not just Laura Ingram that feels this way. You know, she speaks for a whole demographic of people who 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 have very strong opinions of when athletes um, speak out on anything. Usually when they disagree with you, you know, I will say that, but still it's just that who are you to speak out about this? Who are you to mm-hmm. even inject yourself into this conversation or even have an opinion? You should you know, just I mean, be grateful. You, just be grateful. I mean, you heard that with Kaepernick so much, you know, the, not even dealing with exactly what he was talking about, not even debating him on the nuances and the particulars of the points that he brought up. Just who are you to even be talking about this at all? You know, and that was the that's the amazing thing that 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 some people just feel and and it continuously comes up and it's going to continuously come up, especially when athletes are speaking about something that mainstream America disagrees with or some type of controversial topic where you have different opinions. Mm. Now, what about at the also what panel did you do at the all star game? Like who was there with you? Who was in the crowd? What kind of response did the book get? Well, first we went to Manual Arts, uh, which is a high school in in, in inner city um, L.A., and we uh, connected with the teachers union, who absolutely loved the book, and they bought um, all these copies for all the students in the high school. So we, you know, I was in there with with JYD and Alan Houston, and we had this big panel, and we're inspiring them and telling them about how they use their voices and you know learn about their culture, you know, learn about their history and things of that nature, and that was fantastic. Um, then I did another panel. I did two panels at. Um, it's called the Conga Room, right at LA Live, um, and that was absolutely amazing because it, it was it was it was a panel of of different um, you know Imani Stafford um, McGee who was who was Javel McGee's um, sister, um, and then we did Ibtahaj Muhammad, you know, and we had it was it was it was a panel where we really wanted to show young women um, to have their voice and to be able to use their voice and the questions that they were asking me about different women in the in the book, like Swin Cash and Tamika Catchings and and just, you know, they were so inspired by hearing them. And it and and it was one it was interesting one of the uh one of the students uh asked a question in particular. They asked, you know, how how did the the WNBA get all of the white players to speak out? You know what I mean? And to stand with them. In solidarity, and, and and it's so interesting because you know young people they catch on to things they don't you know I know you've brought this up a lot about the need for having more white athletes speak out, but young people notice you know what I mean mm-hmm. and 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 you know I I told them what it's interesting with young people it almost is less of a question because you see these entire high school teams come out together as one black and white. And it, it bothers me that it's even a tortured issue. Like, will Aaron Rodgers take a knee? Will Tom Brady say anything? It's like, no, you do it because your team is supposed to be your family and you stand with your family. Like, this shouldn't be that complicated. It shouldn't. You know what I mean? It shouldn't. But it, it, it obviously is. And it's like yes. it's, it's topics that, I don't know, you, you, I mean, of course you have to be wary of the, of the media, of how they're saying something divides a locker room or things of that nature or you know, you have different people of different opinions. Like, you ever have everybody, an entire team with the same opinion. But it's not right. even the point of that. It's the point of you supporting something that your teammate 
is going through, even if it's not something that you deal with in your reality. You know what I mean? I mean, and, and, and yes, it's, it's, it, there's two different worlds for when, you know, Dave Zirin gets stopped by the police to where I get stopped mm-hmm. by the police. We have different experiences. It's just what it is. But the fact that you can understand that you have a different experience than I do and that, and that it's not okay and that's not acceptable and that's not the way it should be is the same way that a, a teammate should be able to look at their other teammate and say, okay, I don't have your same experience. But I understand that it's not right, and I understand why you're not happy about it, and I understand why things should change. Right. And it's, and and young people seem to get that a little bit more right now. So it's it's just interesting because I'm hearing That's the hopeful. same thing echoed from young people, and they they're starting they're understanding. I, I love what happened. I love what happened this past week with Dwayne Wade visiting the students at Parkland High School, right. uh, where there was the horrific school shooting and. Um, at Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. And Dwayne Wade left meeting with them kind of like his head was spinning. He's like, these young people are so ahead of where I thought they'd be. I mean, they're talking about racism. They're talking about being a voice for people in the south side of Chicago. They're they're, they're speaking about this issue with with an intersectionality that – I mean, it was kind of cool because, you know, I know it was – Dwayne Wade was going there just to give a little hope, and he left there – feeling like he'd gotten some politics. And I thought that was right. just amazing. And that's the, what the young people are doing right now. Speaking of young people, I got to right. ask you this. And mm-hmm. you know, I know you've gotten some of these questions I've asked you already. There's a question I bet no one has asked you. And I'm really curious what you're going to say. Okay. You were active doing this stuff 15 years ago. You were speaking out against the death penalty. You were speaking out against the war in Iraq. Um, do you ever feel like people, like there were other folks too, like a Donald Foyle. I mean, it was just so many small examples of outspoken athletes at that time. Do you ever feel like y'all deserve some more props for kind of like keeping the flame alive so it's not just 1968 today, but that there were (laughs) athletes all along who kept this going? Do you ever feel a little bit like, hey, I kept this flame lit. Let's, uh, Let's recognize a little bit. Well, no, not so much that, but I do want people to remember that they're like like Mahmoud Abdurraouf and Craig Hodges, mm-hmm. and I had a chance to interview both of them, and it's really interesting because you you heard this 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 topic of that's not the right forum, or that's not the right way. You know what I mean? I mean, even right now with with athletes who who said they're not going to the White House, they're like, well, why don't they use this opportunity to maybe say something to President Trump that they want? I was like, oh, you mean like Craig Hodges did? That's that's what you mean? Like like hand him a nice letter? I was like, well, did you see how they reacted to that? And then and you know in the in the what you hear the the thread in the in the book is that you know Eric Reed kept repeating it. Okay, you and Eric Reed is the one who was kneeling with Kaepernick the entire time, his teammate. And in the book, he's saying, well, they kept saying, this is not the right way. You know, why don't you do it a different way? And Tory Smith kept saying, you know, everything that they heard was, okay, well, you need to use a different vehicle, a different, a different forum. And he was like, well, no forum is okay to you. You know what I mean? Because there have been people in the past who have used those forums, and you criticize them just the same way. And so it's important to really know the history, you know, when, when, when something like that comes up. So I, I don't want... Craig Hodges to be forgotten. You know what I mean? About Modo Duru to be forgotten. And, right. you know, people can easily be forgotten once you move away from the time period. And that time period, you know, it, they usually say, well, there was no activism going on in that time period. And that's not true. It's not true. <laughs> you know, not true at all. Maybe not as much as right now, but, but 
it's not true that there was no activism going on. And, and people kept, like I say, people kept the flame alive, even if it was just like holding out a match and putting it in your hands to make right. sure that the flame didn't go out. You that you did it, and in many respects, that's its own kind of heroism. I truly do believe that, uh, like fighting when it's toughest. Um, I got to ask you this because you. Um, Write in the book about a lot of the NFL players who protesting during the anthem. You're not seeing that uh, in the NBA, right? And I'm curious, like if there was a Mahmoud Abdul Rauf today, somebody openly protesting during the anthem. We saw how David Stern handled it. How do you think Adam Silver would handle it? Well, Adam Silver is a little bit different than David Stern. Um, you know, I interviewed Adam Silver for the book and asked him about his his how he valued activism and of course he's not you know you know the 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 most but he's he's not roger goodell <laughs> you know right. i can say that you know you saw in the nba you know all-star game he actually had a section where he honored the athlete activists of the past he honored you know Kareem du jabbar and bill russell and you know I, I just don't think you see that in the nfl i, I don't think you see roger goodell you know no. honoring you know I, I don't think that's going to happen and um you know, I think Adam Silver is is, you know, he 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 sees the the level of activism. He talked about in the book of how he appreciates the activism. Um, you know, he he knows the history of activism in the NBA. And I asked him why was it so different in the NBA than the NFL. And you know, of course, he didn't want to make any negative comments about the NFL. You know, he just said that they're they're a different league than we are, and we still have a ways to go. And he acknowledged mm. that, you know, and, and that was the part that I was like, okay, so he said we, they still have a ways to go because I agree with them, you know, that the NBA does still have a ways to go, but they're definitely not the NFL. Right. The book is called We Matter, Athletes and Activism. Etan, the book is such a triumph. Congratulations to you, sir. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. And I got to ask you what music you're listening to these days because we want to give you some proper outro music. And I always ask people that on the podcast. What do, you, what do you listen to either when you work out or when you chill out or when you're working or when you're playing? What are you listening to, man? I've been listening to a lot of The Roots lately, um, you know, ever since this uh, Black Thought Freestyle. Uh, I'm sorry for your loss. It's somebody dead in the car, and it's probably one of yours. The writing all across the window in the walls. Whether it was true or false, we shouldn't have got involved. Remember, we walked past the teacher, take the chalk and laugh. We wrote punishments. I will not talk in class. Now it's pistols punishing people for talking fast. And all these innocent bystanders is hauling ass. Um, that happened a little while ago. Like I say, it was a couple months ago. And then yeah. right after that, there was Amigos Freestyle. I don't know if you saw that one. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Let's let, let's go back to the roots of, uh, of some quality hip hop, yes. and I just started buffing a lot of the roots. So I started going back to old records, old CDs. You know what I mean? Of the roots of things fall apart, and you know all the way back. So I'm oh, buffing yeah. a lot of the roots. Do you want more? Uh, yeah, Illadelph Half Life. Illadelph Half Life. That whole album. You could play the whole album straight through, so and not good. skip one song. <laughs> Well, we shall proceed to continue to rock the mic. Sounds uh, good. I got, thank you. Atan, thank you so much for being on my humble podcast. Look forward to seeing you on The Collision next Thursday on 89.3 FM WPFW. Well, look, I appreciate what you do. And, you know, I definitely Thanks, appreciate man. you doing this book with me. I appreciate the afterword that you wrote for oh, it. Uh, honored to. And, you know, I, 
and it's it's just it's it's amazing. You know what? I wanted to if I if I include one more thing right before we, please, right before please. we go. Um, I was about to say, and I got kind of sidetracked, but it was one of the things when I asked um, Swin Cash, you know, especially with this being, you know, right after International Women's Day, but I asked Swin Cash about how she got white players to speak out with them. And uh, what she said was so powerful. She said, and I have it right here, she said, it goes back to the locker room and to a, a sisterhood. We understand the purpose of fighting for women's rights, whether it's fighting for equal pay or women's health. And we have been taught from a very young age to stand together and support each other. And that's just so that 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 right there in a nutshell is tells how the, the WNBA as an entire league did something that we have never really even seen before. And, you know, where the entire league um, comes together and stands up and says that something is not right. And they're going to have a media blackout and only talk to the media about you know, the actual topic of police brutality and Flannica Steele and Alton Sterling and what needs to be done about it. And I really wanted to highlight them because sometimes, you know, women are lost in this conversation, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether it's Sandra Bland or, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's, it's a topic that can't be forgotten, um, especially in this day and age. So I just wanted to make that point that we do cover the, 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 um, female athletes who have been using their voices and using their platforms. And we talk about the, the Olympic gymnasts that were able to, you know, bring mm-hmm. down a tyrant, you know, and, and stand up and, and say that this happened to them. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an important thing. So we really want to encourage the women athletes to continue to use their voices as well. Just, just wanted to say that before we, before we, uh, before we finish up. Wow. That's beautiful. And a great note to end on particularly in the shadow of international women's day. Atan Thomas, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks again. Thanks for having me. And now, some choice words about Michael Bennett. Look, Pro Bowl defensive lineman Michael Bennett spent the last NFL season protesting racial inequality during the national anthem, doing community organizing in his adopted hometown of Seattle, raising funds for his actual hometown, hurricane-struck Houston, traveling to Haiti with teammate Cliff Averill to aid communities still suffering from the 2010 earthquake, raising the issue of human rights in Palestine, and facing down all manner of detractors from the White House to people protesting him outside the Seattle facilities. He also spent this past year writing a memoir manifesto with me called Things That Make White People Uncomfortable. And then he made his third straight Pro Bolo, by the way, after playing the season with plantar fasciitis. In the season of the activist athlete, it was Bennett, as much as anyone, who made sure that Colin Kaepernick's message of peaceful protest against police violence and inequality resonated throughout the year. Now Bennett has been traded to the Philadelphia Eagles, and my feelings are decidedly mixed. Overjoyed for Michael Bennett, it's a great spot for him, but all misty-eyed for what Seattle is losing. On the one hand, Michael Bennett is going to the Super Bowl champs and will be joining perhaps the best defensive line in the entire sport. The locker room contains fearless, politically active players like Malcolm Jenkins, Chris Long, and Torrey Smith. Michael Bennett will feel right at home. Also, a brash, outspoken player like Michael with a wicked sense of humor who went from being undrafted to a multiple pro bowler and Super Bowl champ would fit hand in glove with a city like Philadelphia. It just feels right. 
But on the other side of this, the city of Seattle and Michael Bennett have a special relationship, and seeing that sever provokes its own kind of pain. I saw it, and I felt it, when Bennett and I did an event in January of 2017 at Town Hall Seattle. That's actually where we met, with me interviewing him on stage. Now, the connection between the audience and the athlete in a non-athletic setting is something I've rarely seen. Seeing him speak about issues ranging from athletic activism to racism, sexism, intersectionality, food justice, and doing it all while making people laugh was truly an experience. He also spoke that night about why he feels the city of Seattle is so special, so fundamentally open-minded, a place which embraced his family and made him and his wife Pele and their three daughters feel at home. This connection between the player and the city has been earned. As news of the trade spread across social media, a Seattle resident named Ryan Dish Guzman tweeted to me, I do outreach work in Seattle housing homeless families. He's been actively involved in my agency. He even was our Santa this year. He's vital to our community in so many ways, especially because he refuses to be silent. He's been our voice, end quote. That refusal to be silent has been seen in Bennett's stubborn insistence to not only practice philanthropy, but activism. Several months after our event at Town Hall, Michael Bennett refused to be silent when he heard that Seattle resident Charlena Lyles was killed by police. He worked with her family to organize a rally, helped raise money, and made sure that her death did not go unnoticed. He has worked with youth in Seattle prisons and made food justice for underserved communities a central part of his life's work. Before the opening home game of the Seahawks season, over 100 people in Seattle even did a solidarity rally in front of the stadium for Bennett following an incident with Las Vegas police. I will never forget hearing the head of Seattle's NAACP saying, we stand with Michael Bennett because Michael Bennett stands with us. That's the melancholy part. Seattle is losing something very special. With Bennett's departure surely to be followed by some of his outspoken teammates like Richard Sherman, Football in Seattle is about to get a lot more ordinary, and that's a damn shame. But even if the Seahawks are in his past, the city of Seattle is not. In a letter to the community, Bennett wrote that the work his foundation is doing in the city isn't going anywhere. This is what he wrote. We are committed to the city, community, and the schools we serve. It's been a blessing to be able to meet so many great people through our work and share our passion and dedication to better the world and we look forward to meeting so many more of you. We are just getting started. God bless. Love, Black Santa. We'll be back in just a moment, but first, a quick word from The Nation magazine. Look, we need alternative media right now. We need to get news out into people's hands. The Nation magazine has been doing it for 150 years, and we ain't stopping. Can't stop, won't stop. Support The Nation magazine. It is more needed than ever. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe. That's thenation.com slash subscribe. Read my stuff. Read John Nichols. Read Collier Meyerson. I mean, we're talking some amazing, amazing writers doing the best work on the political left. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe. And now it's time for the part of the show we call Just Stand Up and Just Sit Your Ass Down. This week, to me, the story of sports and politics had to do with mental health. And Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan and Kelly Oubre Jr. for my Washington Wizards uh, being public about dealing with depression, 
uh, manic episodes, and I think really helping a lot of people feel less alone. But that's not who the Just Stand Up Award is going to. It's going to Royce White. Stand up! Royce White, former NBA player who was speaking about the issue of mental health, anxiety, depression, and playing in the National Basketball Association years ago and found himself drummed out of the league because he didn't just speak about his mental wellness. He also demanded structural change from the NBA to deal with mental wellness. And that's the place I think Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan, Kelly Oubre Jr., and others really need to go. It's time for structural change. It's time for teams to have actual policies about how they deal with mental wellness. And that's what Royce White was fighting for. He paid a heck of a price for it. And I want to recognize and remember him today. And I think Royce White is going to be a guest on the podcast next week. We're going to talk to him even more about this issue because he's been on social media this week saying like, hey, uh, remember me? (laughs) I spoke about this issue and I think that we need to do more than just speak. So shout out to you, Royce White. Now, my Just Sit Your Ass Down award Sit your ass down. goes uh, to Bob McNair and Steve Ross. Bob McNair for saying that, uh, for putting out there, I should say, that uh, I wouldn't be signing players who protested during the anthem. And Steve Ross for saying that all his players would stand during the anthem and then backtracking on that. Look, this is what collusion is. And also, this is a tremendous violation of players' uh, civil rights, their free speech rights, and their collective bargaining agreement. I hope the union stands strong. I hope the players stand strong. This is absolutely unacceptable. People have the right to dissent. This has been proven in the Supreme Court. And this is, again, in the collective bargaining agreement that nobody has to stand uh, for the anthem if they uh, do not feel like this country stands with them. Um, So... That's my Just Sit Your Ass Down award, not just to McNair and Ross, but to all the NFL owners out there who practice this kind of abject hypocrisy, where they love the red, white, and blue as long as it puts green in their pockets. We'll be right back, but first, a very important quick word for Edge of Sports listeners. Yo, we are starting a Patreon page. All you got to do is go to www.patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod, where you can become someone who helps keep this podcast going. We've got different categories by which you can give to help us keep on doing the work that we're doing. Look, I never thought I would need a Patreon page, but the fact of the matter is this. That intersection of sports and politics has just exploded in the last year, and we want to do more. We want to take the show on the road. We want to make more merch. We want to do more stuff. And to do that, we need your help. And depending on how much you give, uh, we're going to be giving something back. I mean, whether it is a signed book I've written, whether it is a bi-monthly mailbag, whether it is a t-shirt, all of these things are available, and we're doing it because we want to support the continuance of this podcast. Look, this podcast will always be free. You don't got to give anything, but if you appreciate the content we give, please go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. And now, back to the podcast. Now it's time for the part of the show we call Kaepernick Watch, about the latest comings and goings of Colin Kaepernick. This week, I want to highlight a tweet he sent out where he quoted Angela Davis, the legendary activist, who said, and this is the quote that Colin Kaepernick posted of Angela Davis, Revolution is a serious thing, the most serious thing about a revolutionary's life. When one commits oneself to the struggle, it must be for a lifetime. 
Well, that's all we have for this week's show. Uh, thank you so much to my producer, David Tigabu. Thank you so much for Atan Thomas for making the time and writing the brilliant book, We Matter, Athletes and Activism. Thank you to all of our patrons. Please go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod if you want to support the existence of this podcast. Thank you to The Nation Magazine for sponsoring the podcast. And thank you to everybody out there for listening. If you like the show, please give it a rating please write a little comment on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. All of that makes a huge difference. To everybody out there, please stay frosty. We are out of here. Peace. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.